listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the program. I don't know how you feel today. How are you feeling about yourself? Are you sorry? Are, do you feel bad? Do you feel like apologizing? Because that, ladies and gentlemen, is not just our national character. It is apparently the basis of this upcoming election. Really? Very sorry. Yeah, we're all very, very sorry. That clip taken from Aladdin, and I think I know, and you know, why it is that we're sorry about that. Well, Liberal leader Justin Trudeau has kicked off this campaign week by some more promises. He's going to launch a national pharmacare program, ladies and gentlemen. This announcement made in Hamilton, it did not include a timeline or a price tag. Trudeau is promising that a re-elected liberal government would invest $6 billion over the next four years to kickstart negotiations with the provinces, aimed at improving a range of health care services for Canadians. Well, that's good. We can have a conversation about that. We all get together, we sing a little kumbaya. Why don't we gather around? Here, uh, sit down next to Doug Ford, why don't you, Mr. Trudeau, to begin these negotiations. Oh, what? You keep poking the premier in the eye? We are going to have to negotiate with the provinces as recommended and as recognized in the expert report on the implementation of universal national pharmacare. So the question becomes for Canadians, who do you want negotiating with Doug Ford when it comes to your health? Well, who is it that you would like? Well, Trudeau actually said Doug Ford in that news conference 15 times. That, according to Katie Simpson, this is her tweet, initial count. Justin Trudeau said Doug Ford in that news conference 15 times. Now, the premier was on this radio station speaking with Alex Pearson. And you might remember that Mr. Trudeau is pretty upset at himself. You know, he's a little, do you remember? He's a little pissed off. Remember he said that? Hey, Premier, have you ever worn any blackface? No. 100%, 1,000%, no. I wouldn't be that stupid to do that. That is Doug Ford on the Alex Pearson Show on Friday. I would not be that stupid. Then the Premier went on to talk about what he believed to be a... Uh, a hypocrisy, a hypocrisy not only from the liberal leader himself, but also from the media. He believes that the media would have covered this completely differently if it was Andrew Scheer. And I think he's absolutely right, because Andrew Scheer is a different person. And the story of who does it makes it a different story. I think, you know, I think by and large the press has been pretty hard on Justin Trudeau, has asked some tough questions. For example, he was asked today... That video that Global News obtained, you know, the one where he's in the whitewater rafting trip and he's got the wig on and he's got the black face, the one that he didn't remember initially that he had done. Hey, what was the costume in that video anyway, Justin Trudeau? I am uh, continuing to be open with Canadians about uh, the mistake I made. Uh, This is something that I take responsibility for. This is something uh, that I should have known better, uh, but didn't. And I will continue to work every day to fight racism, to fight discrimination, to fight intolerance in this country. With all due respect, Prime Minister, that wasn't even close to answering the question. What was that costume? 
Uh, I have been open with Canadians. I will continue to be open with Canadians. Uh, I will continue to fight racism and intolerance uh, every day. So, no answer. No answer beyond I'm pissed off at myself. that. So, the question I think for Canadians now is who gives a better apology, especially if you're thinking of voting on the progressive side of the equation? Did, what do you think of the Trudeau apology? How does it compare to this, for example? I'm really sorry about that. That is Jagmeet Singh just this morning. Jagmeet Singh in New Brunswick. Hey, Mr. Singh, why have you ignored New Brunswick? This is actually your first visit to this province since becoming leader. What, what's up with that? I'm really sorry. Uh, I'm sorry that I didn't get here earlier. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm honored to be here. And it's a beautiful place. Okay. So let's just play him back to back, shall we? What do you like better? Here you got Jugmeet Singh. I'm really sorry about that. And then you got Justin Trudeau. I'm pissed off at myself. Welcome to Canada in 2019. What about Maxime Bernier being at the debate? Now, just in case you had any questions about who Mr. Bernier represents, the former leader of a U.S. neo-Nazi group, a former Soldiers of Odin member, among those whose signatures were submitted to Elections Canada last year to officially register the People's Party of Canada. All three of their names appear on Election Canada documents obtained by Global News, and that confirmed that a minimum of 250 party members had signed membership declarations. Uh, This is what's required to actually have party status, and that is step one towards actually getting in on these debates. So these are the people who signed their names to make the People's Party of Canada a legitimate party, and now Mr. Bernier is at the debate. Why? Well, the Liberals say, when asked, and not us, we got an independent panel. We, Hey, Stephen, remember Stephen Harper tried to game the system? Well, we put a panel together, and we now we got a panel, so the panel is the panel. The panel. Panel. Uh, Andrew Scheer, uh, what do you think? How, you you want to weigh in on this one? Do you think that Mr. Bernier should be removed from the debate, given these revelations? Mm-hmm. Well, again, it's really up to the Liberal government to explain the criteria. They were the ones that said it. I absolutely condemn groups that uh, promote hate uh, and, uh, and intolerance and spread these types of hateful ide- ideologies. The Liberal government set the criteria. The Liberal government established this, uh, this debates commission. Uh, it's really up to them to explain, uh, uh, to, to, to explain the outcomes of it. This is the panel. Panel, 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 panel. Really very sorry. Yes, we are all really very sorry, and we will be more sorry on Monday, October the 7th, between 7 and 9 p.m. That is when the English debate begins. Quickly, uh, I mentioned the Pharmacare thing. I should also mention that Mr. Shear, his promise today was that he's going to change the rules for first-time homebuyers. He's going to review that much-maligned stress test. Doesn't say what he's going to do. He's just going to review it. And then he's also going to change the amortization. You may remember that actually under the Harper Conservatives, the government pulled back those amortizations so you couldn't have a 30-year, 35, or 40 years to pay off your house. It had to be 25, and that was trying to take some of the heat out of the market. Well, as a result, according to Mr. Shearer, that has priced so many first-time home buyers out of the market. So therefore, he would change that, and he would change the amortization. 
The question is, what does that do to the market? And what does that do to affordability for young people who now just have to say, well, I'm just going to be paying for this for the rest of my life, which I guess is the only way you can actually afford anything in terms of real estate in this country. And you know what that makes me? It makes me... I'm really sorry about that. And it also makes me... Pissed off at myself. All of these feelings I have. We're talking about working from home, and as technology develops and 5G is just over the horizon, more and more people may opt to just simply work from home. And we see a number of these tech developments, things like WeWork and Slack and all the rest of these developments, these apps that make it easier for you to communicate with your team without actually having to see them. And I want to get some of your perspective on this. 416-870-6400 or star 640 on your cell. To talk to me about working from home, are you someone who currently works from home in terms of using a tech device, in terms of, you know, doing all your stuff at home? What are the pitfalls of that? And can you see yourself doing that? Because it's going to affect everything from real estate to how you interact with people, all of that. Be interesting to have your perspective on it. 416-870-6400. I'd also like to know what's the hardest thing about working from home if you do it. I'd, I just don't know if I'd ever get out of my pajamas. I don't know if I'd ever get dressed. That's, I mean, I, I'm barely dressed now. But we begin with a new survey that suggests that Canadians' trust in science may be eroding. This survey by Ipsos for 3M found that nearly half of those surveyed thought scientists are elitist, and that a significant number of respondents discounted findings that they said they didn't accord with their personal beliefs. In other words, I don't believe it, therefore I don't believe the science surrounding it. Richard Chartran is of 3M Canada and is on the line. Thanks so much for being on the program. Good uh, afternoon, Alan. How are you? Why is it that you decided to put this into the field? Well, 3M is a um, science-driven company, and uh, we, uh, we, we use science applied to life, and uh, it's important for us to understand how, how Canadian thinks about uh, science, what it means to them, and how we can then adjust our activities in accord- accordingly to, uh, to, to help improve the state of science. And do you find that these, these findings in the survey are troubling? Well, um, we, we know that uh, from last year to this year, um, the, there's, there's a, a third of the respondent that basically are, are feeling skeptical about science, and it has increased. Last year it was about one in four, and this year it's about one in three. Um, so of, for us, what's important is that as, as we think of the population growing, as we think of uh, the environmental challenges are some of the most difficult challenges that we want to uh, overcome as a society and as a company, then um, the state of science and the state of skepticism of how we can use science to resolve some of those issues become pretty critical. So it's important for us to, to understand that. How much do you think this is driven by misinformation? There's so much talk of that in terms of our social media feeds and the information we get. 
Yeah, I think I think there's definitely has been a rise of the skepticism in general, and therefore perhaps uh, being in science might not be um, that surprising. However, when we think that also Canadians uh, don't know much about science, wants to know much about science, um, we think that it's really important on, on a science front to help parents uh, speak in a positive uh, way with their children around what, where science is around them. And I think what our survey has said is that sometimes people have a hard time seeing the connection of science to some, um, I would say, some, some roles and some jobs around them, mechanics, electricians, nurses. So it's, it's embedded in everywhere. Science is everywhere around us in many, many roles, and then not all the time the people through the skepticism can, can see that happen. I think the difficulty for a lot of people is that there is uh, many examples of science and scientific findings being weaponized for one partisan point or another, and that once that begins, it becomes difficult to discern which is being used to promote a, a certain point of view and, and which is actually truthful and 100% accurate. Um, well, we, we, we know that there's a narrow understanding of science, being in roles like mechanics and electricians and nurses, or we also know that uh, most Canadian, uh, more than 40% of them, believe that scientists are elitist. And so what, what it means to us is that, you're right, people get to believe the scientists should share their results in a, in a more easily understood language, and therefore what we try to do is educate our, our application engineers that engage with customers and the public on a daily basis to, uh, through, through kind of a, a, a toolkit that makes them better at communicating the value of the science around them. Richard Chartrand is of 3M Canada, and 3M Canada is behind this new poll that was conducted by Ipsos that shows that Canadians' trust in science may be eroding. Richard, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you so much, Alan. Appreciate your time. Such an interesting thing and something to keep your eye on because not only do we have this erosion of science, this erosion of authority figures, the erosion of trust in the media, all of these things, all of it is troubling because where do we get our truths? Where do we get what we understand to be truth? And then... We live in this world now where you can choose your own adventure. So you choose your own truth, and you choose the thing that lines up with your belief. So you have a belief of A, then you pick and choose the facts that then support that. And we've seen that our Facebook and our social media algorithms, they're all designed to just simply reinforce those things. Let's turn our minds now to working from home. And your calls, 416-870-6400. If you work from home or you would like to work from home, and I'm certain there are probably a lot of people in cars right now who are thinking, man, oh man, would I like it to just sit at home and my office right in my home and not have to deal with this, not to have to deal with the craziness. But would you do it? Is it something that you think you are suited to? Well, I can tell you that in terms of The kind of jobs you can have, the hot jobs, this is the hottest remote work opportunities right now. This is from CNBC that tells us where it is you can find a job that you can actually work from home. Administrative, 
like an administrative assistant, executive assistant. Maybe you could do that. Robert had half international, perhaps, is hiring for that. Data entry. You could work for Office Team or K-Force. Project management. Motorola Solutions is listed as a company that is hiring. Writing and editing. I don't know anybody who's hiring for that. The hustle is listed as that. Maybe you want to be a copywriter, a content writer. That's something you can do from home. Customer service, Wayfair now, they employ a lot of people just sit at their houses and do that. Computer and IT, education and training. Could you see a time as a teacher where you would just be at home and you'd just be on the big screen in front of the kids? Consulting, accounting and finance and marketing. Those are the areas that are hiring right now for working at home. If you were to choose to work from home, how do you know that you're actually a good fit for that? Well, there are actually three character traits that this psychologist has come up with to figure out whether or not you're a good fit and whether or not as an employer, the employer would look at you and go, yeah, sure, you can work from home because I I know there are those of you out there listening right now, who know that if you were to work from home, your productivity would drop significantly because there's so many distractions. Everything's going on. Uh, Maybe I just go to the fridge and see what's in here, and uh, maybe I'll just whip up a quick souffle before I get back to work, and then you're doing this, and then you're doing that. So what is it that you need to have in terms of a character trait to be good as a remote worker. Well, according to this psychologist, the three traits of good remote workers are conscientious. In other words, you feel guilty all the time. You're just super, super guilty, and you just you feel like you got to get it done. Emotional regulation. Can you emotionally regulate? I got less regulation on my emotions than I like. And influencing. Are you skilled at developing relationships And communicating with other people. Because if you can't do that, then probably, if you don't have those three things, then maybe working from home is not you. It's not your thing. Now, here are some tips on how to work from home. And this is from the New York Times. Cut out the distractions. That is the number one thing on this article in the New York Times on how to effectively work from home you got to cut out the distractions. And that sometimes means having a workspace that is separate from the rest of the house. And this is so interesting, is that it is really now changing the way we buy real estate. Working from home obviously changes real estate in terms of, well, we don't all have to work, you know, to live in the center of the city now because our jobs aren't necessarily there. Our job can be wherever we are as long as we have strong broadband. But within the house itself, now this all of a sudden changes the makeup of the house. You think a couple of years ago, everybody wanted the, you know, the entertainment room. Where am I going to put the big screen TV? Where am I going to put all my devices? Well, that has really changed in the last 10 years because now our devices come with us. I remember when I was renovating a house, and it wasn't that long ago, I had a young daughter. And I thought, well, I got to make this the computer room because I can see it. And all the advice for parents at that time was make sure that wherever the device is, that you can, you know, it's not locked away in a kid's room or some, something like that. Well, that's totally irrelevant now because now, she, now she's 13. She just goes to the room, her room with her phone. And, you know, it's not about where the computer is. It's about where the device goes with you. 
So, and I make that point because that has significantly changed the way that we're looking at real estate now with more and more people looking for work from home options and home offices as part of their house. So interesting as we look at working from home, and here's the other thing, get dressed. That's the thing, the most important thing. If you're going to work from home, you got to get up, you got to get dressed. Otherwise, you're just going to end up pissed off at myself. Yes, that's right, Justin Trudeau. You'll be really pissed off at yourself, and then, like Jugmeet Singh, you'll be saying this all day. Uh, I'm really sorry about that. Welcome back. Happening right now at Toronto City Hall, discussions over vaccines and vaccine exemptions. The City of Toronto is asking the province to change exemption rules to eliminate exemptions for religious or conscientious reasons and instead say that the only reason that you can avoid having a vaccine is for a medical reason. In other words, you have a doctor's note that says you can't have this vaccine for whatever particular reason. That you can't just say, well, you know, my reading of 1 Corinthians says that I shouldn't have to take this. That that shouldn't be the way it is. And currently in the province, the way the rules work is as follows. That you can exempt out from getting a vaccine for those reasons, those aforementioned reasons, provided that you watch a video. You sit down. You have an information session, everybody says, you know, you probably should have that vaccine, and then you just say, no, I'd, I'd, I'd prefer not to. Well, as this meeting goes on, there are a number of people at City Hall right now who are talking to the public health, uh, or rather to the committee, saying that no one should be able to take away their ability to uh, exercise their own religious convictions. Here's Dave Woodard with more on what's happening at Toronto City Hall. The province changed its policy regarding non-medical exemptions two years ago and has already said it doesn't plan on making any changes in the near future. Dr. Allison McGeer, an infectious disease expert at Mount Sinai Hospital, says that's understandable. The fact that the Ontario government has said they're not immediately considering it is totally reasonable. But Dr. McGeer says the conversation needs to be happening. We also need to be discussing it. We need to be thinking about it. Councillor Joe Cressy says we do need to be acting on vaccine hesitancy now before an outbreak occurs. Dave Woodard, Global News. And stay with us here on Global News Radio throughout the course of the day as that story develops. We'll bring you more from Toronto City Hall. Still with health news, gripe water sold as store brands at Chopper's Drug Mart, Walmart, Rexall, and Pharmasave are being recalled. Now, gripe water, if you don't already know this, it's used to treat upset stomachs in babies. But the Life Brand, Equate, Be Better, Teddy's Choice, and Pharmasave products are now all being recalled because of microbial contamination. Health Canada says it may pose serious health risks, so keep that in mind. If you have young babies in your life, know somebody who's got a young baby, especially those moms are overworked and they're not exactly paying attention to that sort of stuff, and make sure you toss all of that out. That is a big concern. Gripe water sold as store brands, Shoppers Drug Mart, Walmart, Rexall, and Pharmasave recalled. British-based tour company Thomas Cook collapsed overnight. 21,000 employees are without jobs, and 600,000 people are stranded. Thomas Cook's CEO says this is a sad day, and it has now ended the 178-year-old package tour company. It has been my privilege 
to lead Thomas Cook. It is deeply distressing to me that it has not been possible to save one of the most loved brands in travel. Now, this bankruptcy will have sweeping effects right across the European and North American tourism industry. The British government says it will take charge of getting the firm's 150,000 U.K. customers back home. A lot of stranded travelers out there around the world today as a result of that. What is up with this Ukraine-Biden thing? Do you need to pay attention to this with the Trump administration There are questions about whether U.S. President Donald Trump improperly tried to use his office to dig up political dirt after he admitted bringing up Joe Biden and the former vice president's son during a call with Ukraine's leader. The president insists he did nothing wrong. It was a beautiful, warm, nice conversation. While telling reporters, he mentioned the Bidens while talking about corruption in Ukraine. Hunter Biden was on the board of a Ukrainian gas company, but there's no evidence of wrongdoing by either Biden. Joe Biden says the president should be investigated if he tried to intimidate a foreign leader. The incident's part of a whistleblower complaint, and the nation's intelligence chief has so far refused to share any details with Congress. Sagar Magani, Washington. You watch any football on the weekend, you notice who was not playing? Antonio Brown not playing. But he did go on a Twitter rant on his first NFL Sunday without a team, announcing that he is done for good with the NFL. Paula Ferris with more. It was an abrupt fall from grace for Antonio Brown and his short-lived stint as a New England Patriot. Caught for the touchdown! Just hours before his former Patriots squared off against the Jets in New England on Sunday, the wide receiver releasing a series of tweets, first announcing he won't be playing for the NFL anymore, saying these owners can cancel deals, do whatever they want at any time, sad they can just void guarantees. We'll see if they pay up. A former trainer has filed a civil lawsuit against Antonio Brown, accusing him of rape. That was just days after he signed with the Patriots. He played one game and then was released after the team learned he had tried to intimidate a second woman who accused him of sexual misconduct. An update on the weird Norway dog story. I'm not sure if you've been following this one. Very, very strange what's going on in Norway. Norwegian authorities have recorded six new cases of a mysterious and potentially fatal canine disease that has now affected 173 dogs. 43 of them have died. Norway's Food Safety Authority says it is investigating the cause of the disease. The symptoms include vomiting and diarrhea. The agency said that a conclusion on the disease is still pending. So far, nearly 90 different breeds have had similar symptoms. It also recommended that dogs would be on a leash, avoid close contact with other animals, not be allowed to sniff areas or eat anything where other dogs might have been. Uh, Try that with a dog. As a precaution, dogs from Norway have been temporarily banned from canine shows in neighboring countries. No, No cases have been reported outside of Norway. It is a giant mystery what's going on. There's been a lot of concern that these are intentional poisonings, but there's been absolutely no conclusive evidence that that's the case. So is it something in the food supply? Is there some kind of a disease that's affecting dogs? The answer is just unknown. We're going to stay on top of that one for you. In Peel Region, Peel Regional Police are requesting that you not call 911 if you get a bad order from a restaurant. A restaurant getting your order wrong is not an emergency, Peel Police tweeted Saturday linking to this clip of an actual 911 call. 
911, do you need police, fire, or ambulance? Hi. Hi, sorry, can I, can you come to, at uh, Queen Street? Yeah, the police or an ambulance, or what are you police, looking for? Police, police, I just want to talk to someone because I've been threatened by an owner. Okay, what did the owner say? Regarding my food. An owner, okay, so you're a customer? I'm a customer, I am. And yeah. what did the owner say to you? Well, I, I ordered a chicken sandwich, and the, the, basically the owner, I told him right before I ordered, so I can't eat tomatoes because I'm allergic. And basically the owner, um, at that time, I was like, okay, you know what? It happened last week where I ordered something, and it was to go, and I got tomatoes, and I told him I can't eat tomatoes. Okay, so this, this has nothing to do with the police, okay, sir? Much less than 911. Please don't call 911 in the future for fried chicken mishaps, okay? Yeah. I mean... You know, if it was a hoagie, call. But not a fried chicken sandwich. It's ridiculous. A video posted to Twitter, to Twitter by an American professional wrestler has now gone viral. Have you seen this or heard this? So what it was is a professional wrestler was in Alberta, near Edmonton, gets pulled over for a speeding ticket, and then tries this malarkey. That's not a citation, is it? No, it's a violation ticket for speeding, Macy. Do you, Macy, right? Do you know? Do you know who I am? I have no idea. Well, I'm Lacey Evans, and I do not rate that ticket. So you can so go ahead. Lacey Evans, WWE superstar, and you should know exactly who I am. Sorry, ma'am, I don't. Uh, hey, so here's the ticket information on the back. How You've got to be it. kidding me. Yeah. So. You nasty thing. I'll pay the ticket. Okay. Well, have a good day. Well, nice don't day. you have a terrible day, sir? Canada is terrible, and I can't wait to get well, back. Welcome to Edmonton. Oh. Welcome to Edmonton. I just love that. Isn't that so Canadian? Uh, She's just posted now, I do not condone or agree or promote disrespecting cops. This video was created by both parties to promote a local live event taking place, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Yeah, so basically she's saying I did not disrespect the cop. But I think maybe, you know, she could maybe take a page out of Jagmeet Singh, perhaps? Jagmeet... What would Jugmeet say? He would say the following. I'm really really sorry about that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. The Elevate Conference is on here in Toronto. It's an event boasted is the world's fastest-growing tech festival, and it's here in Toronto. It's already on, goes to the 26th. High-profile speakers such as Michelle Obama, Chris Hadfield, and Martha Stewart, and we'll have more on this on Global News at 5.30 and 6 tonight. But as that is going on, we have a new report that says Canadian women are still feeling neglected by tech companies. There have been strides to improve gender parity and equality, but this survey found that tech companies may say they want to hire women, but 49% of Canadian women surveyed say they don't feel wanted. The study also found that 54% of those polled say tech companies have a bad reputation when it comes to gender equality. 48% of women don't know how to develop the skills required for a career in tech. And 35% of women polled chose a STEM major in university. So there's some background there, but not necessarily the career and a belief, at least, that when it comes to tech, the companies may say one thing, but in practice, it's something else. SAP commissioned this report. 
Kim Gassel is the Vice President of SAP Canada and is on the line. Hi, Kim. Hi there. Thanks very much for having me. Were you surprised by these numbers, considering how much, in terms of the tech sector at least, there has been a lot of talk about parity? I am surprised by some of the numbers. I do feel like we have made significant strides in the technology industry. I think that there's significant more work left to do. Uh, I also think that the study showed us that we really have to go down in age and make sure that we're capturing these audiences at the end of high school and in their first year of university as they're starting to make these decisions to join STEM. And what is it about STEM and young women at that age that you think you should communicate better? I think explaining to them the opportunities that exist in technology today. I think a lot of people believe that you need to be a programmer or that you need to be uh, have a major in math, and that simply isn't the case. There's such there's so many opportunities that exist uh, that you can leverage all kinds of different talents in a technology career, and I think it's important to give kids insight into that as early as possible. In this province, we have a lot of talk about math and changing, getting back to basics and no more discovery math and so on and so forth. And we've talked a lot on this program about math panic and math stress. And I think there's, a for a lot of people, that point that you make if you're not a mathematician that maybe you just have no future in STEM. Yeah, and I don't think that's the case at all. I think that STEM offers such a wide variety uh, for children, and I think it's really about um, making sure that the child understands their strengths and matching that to the areas of STEM uh, that are available today. And it's not just specific to math. There's, you know, there's so many opportunities. And from a business perspective, I, you know, I always say that I think the basis of it is is that um, to continue to have kids have intellectual curiosity, be curious about things, ask a lot of questions um, and have discovery in terms of what they enjoy as they go through life. Now, you said that the, the, the sector has made great strides in gender equality, in equi- uh, parity rather, but then why has that not transmitted into actually women believing that that's the case? As I said, I think that we have made we have made strides from an SAP perspective. Uh, 33% of our employees globally are women, and 26% globally are women in management. And we do do a lot of work with the universities. We do a lot of work. I recently uh, spoke at a junior achievement session, and we are making more and more strides uh, to continue to educate women so that they understand what's available to them. Kim Gassel is Vice President of SAP Canada. I've been talking about this recent survey about women in the tech sector. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you for having me. Enjoy your day. Let's talk about the weather, shall we? As we look forward into the fall, beautiful beginning to fall, but expect a sharp cool down and perhaps an early appearance of winter for much of Ontario and Quebec. But it won't be enough to offset the first month of milder than normal normal temperatures. That is from an article on globalnews.ca written by Anthony Farnell, our Global News Chief Meteorologist, as he takes a look at what you can expect in fall from coast to coast. And Anthony joins me on the line. Hi, Anthony. Hello, Alan. Yes, fall, finally here, but uh, still kind of feels like summer out there, so nobody complaining about that. Yeah, actually, a big argument in the house yesterday, uh, should we turn the AC back on? I'll tell you what, I lost it. 
I lost that <laughs> argument. <laughs> and I'm guessing you were going for a hard no on that. A hard no. I mean, <laughs> of course. The, and my wife's like, come on, it's not like the wintertime. I can't put on another sweater. Come on. So, so yeah, I, on I, I sweated it out last night. And, and it was like midsummer, especially those overnight lows, 22, 23 degrees. That's almost unheard of uh, this late into September. So what do you see going forward? You're saying here that we're going to get winter early, but even though it's a warm start to fall? Yeah, I think uh, the better part of the next month, so that's going through much of October, we're talking above seasonal temperatures, so it's not all going to be warmth like this past weekend or even today, but uh, more days will be milder than cool uh, compared to normal, and, and that's really going to be too much to, to be offset by anything that happens late in November and December, and uh, yeah, that is it is looking right now like uh, perhaps an early onset to those wintry conditions, but uh, also a late summer, so as is in, in past years, years you just end up squeezing that fall season into less than a month and you almost get no use out of that fall jacket before you switch over to parkas <laughs> I, I appreciate you're always concerned about my wardrobe uh, and you <laughs> take a look I, I noticed in your article you talk quite a bit about la nina and, and el nino and and w- where are we with that with this year yeah, and it's something that we, we definitely look at. When, you, when you're talking more than two, three weeks out, you, you tend to look at these water temperatures and what they're doing uh, across the entire planet, across the globe, because, well, much of the Earth is, is covered in ocean. So when you have these uh, anom- anomalies, whether they be warm or cool, uh, that can affect the jet, str- affect the jet, jet stream for, for the season ahead. So, uh, yeah, in the Pacific, we're coming off of an El Nino. There's not a huge signal right now, but the warm water that is out there is back towards Asia, and that tends to favor uh, a rather cold winter for the eastern half of North America. So that's something we're looking at later. But when it comes to fall, sometimes that same that same look of the ocean has a completely different effect because the jet stream's not as strong. You end up with the very warm in places that end up turning cold. So uh, it's a complicated (laughs) forecast, but uh, it's one that that we are pretty confident in, at least uh, for the next month and a half or so. Anthony, I want to ask you real quickly about this one. I just saw this, a 2008 survey of Meteorological Society members. Back in 2008, it found that meteorologists, 24% of them, agreed that climate change was being caused by humans. By 2017, 90% agreed with the climate crisis and happening. 80% said it was human-caused. I wonder where you fall on that. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, the change in climate is something that I've, I've always agreed on. I'm still skeptical on, on the extent of it, and uh, the the crisis is, 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 of course, it's all up for interpretation. And I know the question that they've asked meteorologists has also changed when, um, back in 2008, it was always, are we solely responsible for changing the climate? And then most meteorologists and scientists then and, and even now would agree that, no, that is not the case. The climate changes regardless of if we were around or not. But uh, the concern is, is yeah, these things that are, are kind of getting away from us. The fact that uh, the weather is, is kind of um, switching in some parts of the world, especially the Arctic, faster than in others. And uh, the saving the planet thing is, is something that I think we should all be able to get behind. The problem is when politics get involved. And that's most scientists, whether they're um, doing research papers or on TV like myself, they, they try to avoid the politics. But, of course, it's very difficult in this day and age to to do that. Absolutely. Thank you. Well said. That's Anthony Farnell, our meteorologist, and I'll see you later on this afternoon, Anthony. All right. Take care, Alan.